Yes, Lord, may your word speak to us today. We open our hearts and our ears and our minds to what you have for us. Word of God speak, we pray. Amen. Well, we get to continue this morning in our survey of spiritual gifts. Um, it's been really fun to have conversations with uh, many of you about the results of your uh, spiritual gifts inventories. Uh, if you haven't taken a spiritual gift inventory yet, um, here, there's a QR code here that you can use. Um, uh, you can also see spiritualgiftstest.com uh, is the one that we've chosen online. There's also some paper copies as well. Uh, out in the garden court if you prefer to do it on paper. It's a little different survey, but uh, accomplishing sort of the same thing. And, and I just want to remind you as you do these inventories that uh, these inventories are not synonymous with the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus did not institute these inventories. They are our best sort of stabs to understand uh, what spiritual gifts are and what they might be. So as you complete these inventories, um, I invite you to do it prayerfully. Pray that... Um, as, as you look at those results, that the Spirit would either confirm those gifts or maybe steer you in a different direction. We also want to tell you as pastors that we're here to help you discern what God is inviting you into. Um, and as he reveals these spiritual gifts to you, it's good to have process partners. So reach out to one of us in a couple weeks. Pastor Joy is going to be doing another one of her uh, spiritual gifts clinics. Uh, this one will be in person up in the upper room um, where you can actually bring the results of your inventory um, and discuss what next steps might be for you and, and how God wants you to use those gifts. And in the weeks to come, we're going to be providing tangible ways for you to say yes to these spiritual gifts that God reveals to you in our local church. Certainly, we want you to use those gifts in God's wider work in the world, and we'll talk about that. But uh, there's some really wonderful uh, uh, surveys that tell us when people use their spiritual gifts in their local body, uh, God does really amazing unifying things for the body. So we pray that this is not just like a January thing that we do, but indeed it is something that guides you into an extended season of church and life and faith and, and putting these gifts to use. So as a refresher, maybe you're just here for the first time in 2022 or, or you need a refresher over the last couple of weeks. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Um, well, they are specific gifts that God gives to us through the Holy Spirit so that we can serve him and give him glory in our homes and in our relationships and our local church, but also God's wider work in the world, what we would call the big C church, right? And as Simon has defined it the past couple weeks, spiritual gifts, he, he said, God, by the Holy Spirit, gives gifts to those who are faithful in Christ for the purposes of building up the church. That's really what the spiritual gifts are for. And there's been a lot of excitement as we've talked about spiritual gifts. I've loved the sort of midweek connections with a lot of you who are investigating this. Um, and, and it makes sense that we're excited about it because gifting is an exciting thing to us. Uh, whether you are a parent in this community or not, I think one of the things that we can all uh, agree on is that we're really interested and preoccupied with gifting, right? This is why we have our display over here of, of sort of tangible ways in which we celebrate gifting among us. I, and I, I, my guess is that if, if, if we are probably on the high scale here in the western suburbs of Chicago in terms of our preoccupation with gifting. Uh, we as parents, and I include myself as one of them, deeply desire for our children to realize their gifting in a sport or in academics or music or leadership or drama. And we invest incredible amounts of money, right? Any amens and incredible amounts of money 
into finding and developing these gifts. And we reward giftedness with things like roster spots or trophies or letter jackets. Look at Jamie's letter jacket. I mean, look at the trophies on that thing. Um, college scholarships. These are sort of the rewards of that gifting. But it's worth asking as we look at this, and, and, I, and I love this display. It's a fun way for us to sort of get into this idea of gifts. But I, it's important for us to ask, do we even have a modicum of the same fervor for spiritual gifts as we see in the community around just natural giftings? Because God's investment in you in terms of spiritual gifts far outweighs any investment that I can make or you can make as a parent or in anyone else's life because God, the creator, has endowed each and every one of us with his very self. What more could he invest in us? It's pretty amazing. So it's good for us to focus and understand these gifts and to Make that an important part of the way in which we understand gifting in our lives. The, the spiritual gifts that we're talking about come from four different passages in the New Testament. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians 4. Each of those passages have sort of a list of gifts. And if you combine those all together, there's somewhere between 18 and 22 different spiritual gifts that are listed. I happen to think that that's not an exhaustive lift, list of the spiritual gifts that God can give to us, but... Those are the gifts that scripture uh, prescribes for us, and so that's at least where we start. And the cool thing is that we can fit these 18 to 22 gifts in three different categories. Love gifts, word gifts, and power gifts. Last week, Simon introduced us to the first category, which was love gifts. Love gifts are um, gifts that manifest the love of God in practical ways in community. So he noted gifts like mercy or serving or giving, or administration. Maybe we don't see administration as a love gift, but it really is. It's that behind-the-scenes work that manifests the love of God. So next week, we're going to discuss power gifts. That should be a fun Sunday, so come ready for that one. And I get the task this morning of talking about word gifts. Word gifts is my task this morning. Um, And I can actually speak to word gifts because, it may not shock you, I actually score pretty high in word gifts. Um, When I was in college, uh, one of our administrators asked me to intern with him, and uh, his vision was that every single freshman at our liberal arts Christian college would take a spiritual gifts assessment so that uh, within the first semester, they understood how God had gifted them spiritually, and then that could help them determine their major and their course of study and maybe their career someday and, and how they might serve God in the world. A pretty cool vision, right? So my job as an intern was to go and take assessments, to go to workshops at churches, to go to counseling centers, and and try and identify the very best resources for college freshmen to identify their spiritual gifts. And I took dozens of assessments. I went to tons of workshops. Um, Each one of them was a little bit different. Sometimes the vernacular about spiritual gifts was a little different in each of them with different emphasis. But I always rated pretty high in word gifts. And it wasn't until this series and John Thompson's work in his book Convergence that we're using that I really understood um, that, that these categories really work. And, and over 20 years of taking these assessments, because I've taken a lot of them, almost all of my strong giftings uh, show up in that word gift category. I live in that category. And that makes some sense. My dad is a professional communicator and and comedian, so I grew up with a ton of confidence in words and in front of people and and communication and how to read a room. I didn't have to work very hard at that. But apart from natural sort of genetic gifting in this area, 
it seems that God has given me the opportunity to use these gifts for his glory in specific ways. Maybe you feel the same. Word gifts are defined by John Thompson as gifts that clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. That's what word gifts do. And people who have word gifts have the special ability to verbally communicate God's love, to expound on scripture, and to share the gospel with others, either in a larger group or interpersonally, like one-on-one. And if you want to to take a look at what uh, scripture says about word gifts and some narratives around word gifts, the best place that you can go is the book of Acts. The book of Acts is actually structured around a number of different sermons, but they're not really sermons like I do here in the pulpit here today. These were more sort of spontaneous teachings and talks. So the Holy Spirit is leading the earliest version of the church to proclaim the goodness of God, the claims of Jesus Christ, as the moment arises. And, And one of my favorite examples is Peter after Pentecost. Pentecost is this amazing event where this incredible thing happened. The Holy Spirit is poured out on thousands of people who are gathered for this festival, and people begin speaking in other languages and in strange tongues, but they can understand one another. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. Scripture says that divided tongues as of fire came down and alighted on them. I still don't know what that means. I've studied it a ton, but it was something amazing, right? And Peter seizes this moment, and what does he do? Well, God had gifted him with word gifts, and so he began to speak. And he began to walk through Scripture, to open up Scripture to these people. He saw this holy moment, and and he used it as a time to clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. And he does so with power. One of my favorite passages, something that I pray for, is uh, Acts 2, 37. At the end of Peter's sermon, what does it say? It says, now when they heard this, when the people gathered heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And this is really the purpose of word gifts. They help people know and understand God through the person of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the point where people are compelled to go, i got to respond to this. What am I going to do? What should I do? How should I change? How should I live? That's really the desired goal of word gifts. So I've been thinking a lot about word gifts this week, obviously, in preparing for this, but God has also impressed word gifts in several different ways. Um, As I shared earlier, we have a family in our 4th Street house. Uh, I have a picture of them here. This is the Yusuf family, Um, beautiful family. This is uh, Abdel Quran is the dad, and then uh, Aisha is the mom, and then the boys are five and one, and their names are Muhammad and Ali. And they are uh, from Sudan, Uh, very, very sweet people. Um, They speak Arabic and have almost no English. And uh, Katie and I were, were with them yesterday, letting the boys run around in the gym for a little bit. And um, I basically lived through Google Translate on my phone, which is pretty incredible, actually. I mean, it's an amazing piece of technology that we actually have this and not, you know, paper, paper encyclopedias or dictionaries anymore. Um, I'm really thankful for that technology, but, man, it was really hard to have a conversation that way, right? And a desire to communicate clearly, it was just really hard. And, and, and I got a lot of their story. It took a lot of work, but I got a bunch of their story. They, they've lived in Jordan, uh, the country of Jordan, for the last eight years. They were asylum seekers uh, after fleeing a war-torn uh, Sudan where Abdul Quran was, was tortured, where his wife was threatened. There were things coming through the Google Translate that I'm like, am I really 
reading what I think I'm reading and hearing what I think I'm hearing right now. And as I'm hearing this and I'm trying to get to know this man, I'm, I feel myself like desperately, viscerally wanting to communicate God's words to him, right? God loves you. He's blessed you with this new opportunity. I'm so sorry for all the awful things that have happened to you. That was not right. Your family is safe here now. And I hope I, hope I was able to communicate that through the wonders of Google. Um, I hope that those words got through to him. But I couldn't help but think about that as I was processing. You know, this morning and this, this text today and, and, and this theme today, I couldn't help but think about the reality that the word gifts that God gives us are tools that God uses to speak to us. Word gifts in our community are like a really compassionate and focused Google Translate for us, right? Where God has a word. Friends, it's, it's really important before we even start talking about what these gifts are and what they might be for you to understand that you have a God who cares enough about you, sees you, and knows you enough to know that you need a word from him, and he is speaking to you through these word gifts. So we ought to be ready to listen and to respond to those words that God gives to us. So I want to walk through the word gifts. There are six of them this morning. That's a lot. We'll go quick. And as I run through these six gifts, I want you to know we are going to circle back and figure out how to apply these in our lives. Now, maybe you're someone who goes, I already know I have some of those word giftings. That's how I'm sort of gifted. Um, I want you to lean in and see how God might be speaking to you at this time. Um, maybe you don't identify with any of these word gifts, and you go, no, that, I just don't think that's me at all. I do not want you to disengage. Stay engaged. We are going to circle back to you as well, because I have a really important for word for you as well at the end of this. So six word gifts, and these come from John Thompson's work in, in his book, Convergence. The first is teaching. Um, this one's pretty well understood in our culture, teaching, right? Um, those who, who teach are really honored. Um, uh, they, those people who walk alongside students of all ages, they help them learn, they help them understand. I think teachers are amazing. And if we think about the spiritual gift of teaching, it's a lot of the same principles that we see in our schools and in education. Um, people with the spiritual gift of teaching help people understand scripture and truth. They're often unpacking scriptures and, and helping people understand how to apply those truths in their lives. One way to identify someone who may have a gift of teaching is, is, is who do you know that's really already deep in God's word, right? Who just feeds off of it and wants to share that with other people. Teachers are also the people who are gifted to know when we've strayed away from Jesus, when we've strayed away from the truth, and to sort of pull us back to him. So much of what we do as pastors here in the pulpit or what Caleb does in youth group or what our teachers do downstairs in children's ministry, much of that flows out of teaching gifts. The second gift is exhortation. That's kind of a fancy word. Uh, sometimes it's called encouragement in scripture. Um, if a teacher is someone who takes the truths of scripture and sort of unpacks them, the people gifted in exhortation are people who apply those truths in people's lives and really walk with them as they apply it. So this can be done in larger groups. You could have a a preacher, someone who is gifted in exhortation, but more often, people who are gifted in exhortation do it in smaller groups or even one-on-one, -on -one, interpersonally through friendship. Exhortation can take various different forms. It can be um, pure encouragement or maybe a gentle rebuke or maybe someone who offers deep comfort. Um, if you've ever walked away from an interaction with someone and said, man, 
I can't believe that person cared enough about me to encourage me or to correct me or, or to comfort me, and they steered me towards Scripture and they steered me towards God, that person is probably an exhorter. They probably have the gift of exhortation or encouragement. An exhortation is really fundamentally a conviction that God has something to say to somebody and being open to the Spirit to say, help me, help me convey what you want to say to that person. The third gift is leadership. You might be a little surprised to see that in the words category. Um, we don't often think of this as a word gift, but leadership is actually a really important word gift. Think less about um, like the sort of CEO model of leadership that, uh, you know, the leadership books you can buy at, at, on Amazon or whatever. Think more of like vision casting. The people with the spiritual gift of leadership have an ability to, to set goals and to capture a holy vision of the future and then to communicate that vision to other people in a way that leads to, to unity and to participation. So if you're someone who, who likes to, to sort of think out in the future and, and sort of has a vision of what God might be trying to do, and you have the ability to sort of motivate those people to those ends and bring unity in the midst of that, you probably have the gift of leadership. This might be your gift. The fourth one um, is apostleship. This one's a little slippery. I've had to learn quite a bit about this one in the last week. Um, but apostleship, uh, an apostle is someone who's sent. That's what that word means, someone who is sent, like an envoy. And people with the gift of apostleship are usually leaders as well. They're good with vision, but they're often commissioned uh, or sent out to start new ministries, new works of God um, in new places. They're likely to have sort of an entrepreneurial spirit to them, uh, and they're gifted about bringing multiple different churches or organizations or people together from different backgrounds to, to come together, probably more than one like just local church like ours, but something larger. So modern apostles or people gifted with apostleship might be like church planters or people who work in, in Christian nonprofit, or motivational speakers or mentors. Um, there are people who typically have undeniable authority, and they can communicate clearly about God's work within the four walls of a church, but also outside of the four walls of a local church. The fifth gift is shepherding. Shepherding. Um, shepherds typically operate somewhere between a large group of people and an interpersonal one-on-one -on -one thing. They're typically drawn to small groups of people. Shepherds are relational. They have extra measures of care and concern. Um, they're typically very mature believers who model maturity in, in both word and deed and, and compel people to follow them. So while you might immediately go, okay, shepherd, and if you know your etymology, you know that a pastor, that's the same word. Pastor and shepherd are the same word, but you might think of pastors when you think of shepherds. I actually think some of the best examples of shepherds that we have in our church are small group leaders, rooted group leaders. Um, those who are invested in the long-term health of a smaller group of people. And this is a crucial gift to encourage in, in churches, especially in a church like our size, um, where, we're, where we're just big enough that you probably can't know everybody, um, but if we can break it down into smaller groups, we can really know one another well. So shepherds are a really important gift. And then the last one, the sixth one, is evangelism. Evangelism um, Evangelism's a very, very special word gift. Evangelism is, um, is the gift of being able to creatively share the good news of Jesus in relevant ways to people who don't know Jesus or have drifted far away from him. Usually, evangelists are good communicators. Um, they employ reason, nuance, rhetoric, persuasion, and, and proclamation to make a compelling case 
Um, I, I'm going to point out my friend Emmanuel, who's here. He's, Emmanuel's from Rwanda. He's a grad student at, at Wheaton, and he's a gifted evangelist. And I asked him before I walked in, I said, um, what are some of the things that you really think of w- when you think of the gift of evangelism? What, what are some of the characteristics? And he said, people today have so many questions, and it's people who love to, to, to draw questions out of people who don't know Jesus, right? Have a gift to just draw those questions and are safe people to receive those. Um, in my experience, evangelists usually draw lost people to them, um, find themselves drawn to people who are, who are lost, who, who need to know Jesus. Um, oftentimes, those people are total strangers, but evangelists have this amazing gift of receiving them as like their long-term friends. It's really cool. So if you find yourself constantly in conversations with non-believers, if you like Emmanuel or like, I love questions and, and, I, and I can draw good questions out of people, and share my faith with them, you likely have the gift of evangelism. So that's a lot of stuff. Everybody awake? I don't see anybody sleeping. This is good. Great. Um, Those are the word gifts. Those are the word gifts, that category. And those word gifts, again, are given in order to clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. So maybe you've taken an assessment and you score high in a word gift. Maybe as I've been walking through this, you go, bingo, that's that's me. I know that that's that's my gift. If that's you, and this is your church home, or you think about where your church home is, if you're visiting with us and you have a church home, you may want to consider getting involved in something like children's ministry or youth ministry where you have the opportunity to open up scripture to people. Another great place to use that would be to be a rooted group or a small group leader here for for Bible studies and fellowship groups. And if you're gifted in this way, we need your gifts in the community. We're always going to need these gifts. But for all of us, whether we have these gifts or or don't think we really have these gifts, um, what do we need to hear today? about word gifts. What's God's message for all of us? I want to close just by asking three clarifying questions that you may already have, okay? And the first is this. Um, Are there people who simply do not have word gifts? Is this something you can sort of opt out of? Um, Maybe you don't feel like you're a good communicator. Maybe you have some impediments in some way to, to communication. There's a temptation to sort of leave that work to other people, right? But, but is that okay? Is that, is that allowable? Uh, last week, Simon made a pretty compelling case when we talked about love gifts that we don't really have the option of, of opting out of love gifts, right? Of giving, of mercy. These are kind of core things to, to the life of Christ. So we may not be specifically gifted in that way, but we need to exercise those gifts. Is it the same thing for word gifts? Well, what I've observed for, um, in my years of ministry is that many people feel like word gifts um, are mostly held and exercised by uh, pastors people who are on staff. So we're the ones who, who teach and shepherd and preach and lead and evangelize and start new ministries as part of our job so that you don't really have to. That can be the mentality sometimes. There can be an attitude of, well, let's leave this to the professionals. This is more of sort of a professional gift. But that is not the model that scripture puts forward in terms of word gifts. Remember Peter's sermon in Acts 2. He was so compelling that people were left asking, we, how do we respond to this? What are we supposed to do? We need to respond to this word. And we're tempted to look at that and go, well, that was because Peter was such a good speaker. He, you know, he was so close to Jesus. He knew what he was doing. He had the best model. He was a master communicator. That's what led to that response. But uh, Peter actually preaches another sermon two chapters later in in Acts 4, and he does it with John this time. And and this one is not in the presence of the people, but it's in the presence of the teachers and the scribes, the actual professionals, Jewish professionals that had the gift 
of, of word gifts. They were teachers and exhorters and, and prophets in that way. And they preached, and it was equally compelling. And look what it says in Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed, and they recognized them as companions of Jesus. I, I bring this text to you to say, Peter and John were not professionals. They were not professionals. They actually had tons of reasons to go, I'm not a word gift person. I'm not using word gifts, right? They weren't educated. They were fishermen. They had to compare themselves to Jesus, who they spent all this time with, who's like the greatest teacher ever, right? And even to, to get up and speak a word, they were putting their lives at risk. And yet, they were faithful to the word gifts that God had given to them. So, all that to say, I don't think that every single one of you are gifted in word gifts. I don't think that's how God sets up the body of Christ. But in our desire to follow Jesus and to be led by the Spirit, it's a good practice, even in things that we don't think we're gifted in, to open ourselves up um, to, to things that are maybe not natural or are scary to us, even if it's just for a day, a moment, a season of life. So whereas we are all encouraged to exhibit certain love gifts, the tunnel does narrow a little bit when we get to word gifts, and next week when we get to power gifts, it's going to narrow even a little bit more. But word gifts are not just professionals, but they wouldn't be employed by all of us all the time. So the question is, le is, is less, um, do I need to use these gifts? And it's more of a question of, are you willing to use these gifts when the opportunity to teach or exhort or lead or shepherd or evangelize comes to you? Second question that you might be having. What if I think I have word gifts? I think I have word gifts. What am I supposed to do? First of all, great. That's awesome. You've been gifted in a super cool way, and, and I know that God is going to honor the use of this gift as you use it in your life. Here's my encouragement to those of you who have uh, a, a strong word gifting. Be bold. Don't spend time counting reasons to not use your gift. But trust in the Spirit's prompting and work. Be confident in the words or the rebuke or the defense or the vision that God has placed in your heart. So when the Spirit opens the door to use this word gift that he's given to you, walk through it. Stand up and walk through it. Be bold. Be deep in God's word each and every day so that you can seize that moment that God gives you. And don't squander the amazing gift that God has given to you that he wants to use for his glory. Third and, and last question that you might be having, what do I do if I don't have word gifts? I told you I would come back to this. Um, maybe word gifts are not generally how God has gifted you. Maybe if you did an assessment and you put them in categories, this is the lowest category for you. So you might be sitting there and saying, I don't really identify with these gifts, so what's the message for me today? Um, it may be true. Some of you might not identify with these gifts, and you might not be particularly gifted in this way. But Here's the cool thing about all the gifts, but maybe particularly in these gifts, is you, even if you're not specifically gifted this way, you have an opportunity to respond to these gifts. Because I believe whether you're someone who's, who's gifted in word gifts or, or you don't feel like you have any of these word gifts, God is going to regularly send you people in your lives who do have these gifts for the purpose of communicating to you and leading you and casting a vision for you, and, and correcting you, and encouraging you, and shepherding you. I believe that these people with word gifts are sent from God for each of us 
So the question for you, if that's you, is are you listening? Are you listening to the word-gifted people in your life? Think of the people in your life who have strong word gifts, whether it's us pastors in the pulpit or maybe it's a rooted group leader or someone who's facilitating a Bible study or fellowship. Maybe it's a teacher or a friend who is good at steering you towards Jesus, or maybe it's apostles who, who lift up new goals or new opportunities or, or an evangelist who shares the gospel with us or, or an exhorter who corrects us and comforts us. Listen to those voices. Esteem those voices. This is one of the primary ways that God wants to speak to you. And again, like I said earlier, he cares enough about you to regularly send word-gifted people into your life to share his word with you. Are you listening to those people? Is your ear tuned to God's word through those people? So that's the, the overview of word gift today. And what I want to do is do something that's maybe a, a little bold uh, for this morning. How many of you already know... I, And for those of you who are still seated, I'm going to consecrate you as well, so be listening for that. Lord, um, I thank you for the ways in which you gift your people, the way you gift your church. I thank you for those who are standing here who, who you have gifted with word gifts, Lord. I affirm those gifts in them. Teachers and shepherds and evangelists and apostles, and leaders, and exhorters. Lord, thank you. You are such a gracious God to use frail people like us in such a way that you would give us these gifts so that we might speak your word. We are not worthy to do that, Lord, but you've gifted us for it, and we thank you. So I pray for these friends, these brothers and sisters, these children of yours, that you would open doors for them each and every day to walk through with confidence and to share your word with others. Lord, may they not count the reasons to say, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable doing this or this is not safe for me to do, but instead, might they be led by the ministry of your spirit to use these gifts, help them not to squander them, and would you give them new opportunities to be affirmed in these gifts? Would you surround them with people who, who will open their ears to what you are saying, and Lord, I pray that as they share your word in their unique ways, that they might not do so in a way that they are heard, but in a way that you are heard through them. And Lord, for those seated today who, who go, I have other gifts, but I don't think word gifts are the gifts for me. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to see the word gifted people who are standing up around them, the word gifted people that you've put in their lives. Lord, would you continue to send people who are boldly proclaiming the truth of your scripture and who you are and your goodness to them. And may they have the courage to open their hearts and their minds to receive your word through them. And Lord, for each of us, 
We desire to be led by your spirit. May we use these gifts for your glory and for your work in the world. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, why doesn't everybody stand? We all get an opportunity to stand now. And let's respond in song.